From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. I'm very, very excited for today's show. It's not often, actually, not ever have we gotten to do a deep dive on a comedy special, but that's what we're going to do today. And our guest's new and debut comedy special, No Bad Days, is streaming right now on Peacock, and it puts the special in comedy special, believe me. Alyssa Lempiris is our guest today. Thank you. That's so nice. So good to be here. You are riding that busy wave, girl. It seems like every time I look up at the TV, I, I see Alyssa. I see you on a commercial. I see you on a TV show. You've got <laughs> special. How's it feel? Are, are you are you good? Are you are you resting? Are you staying hydrated? Oh, that's so kind. Yes, I am all those things. But it is funny because yeah, when I saw your name pop up, we worked together on my first, I would say, big LA project. I was just reflecting on that. You know, sometimes when something's new, you don't real. You were so excellent at your job. I think I just assumed everyone was going to be like you moving forward. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) No, truly. I was like, oh, this is so, uh, it was such a special first experience. And sometimes when it's a first experience, you don't know how special it is because you haven't had other ones. But I'm also so grateful for the time we had together. That was such a fun initial project in LA. Absolutely. That was fun. It was great to meet you. And now you've got this amazing special, No Bad Days, which I absolutely loved. For those who don't know about it, tell our audience a little bit about No Bad Days. Okay, so No Bad Days is a comedy special, but it's sort of a solo show about losing and loving and learning to live without my dad. And it blends, I would say, stand-up. So there are chunks where if you tuned in, you might think you're just watching a stand-up special with some movement pieces, with some storytelling. And that was always very exciting to me about this show was that it dipped and blended in, in a lot of different regions. And I've been doing it for on and off for over six years. So it's been with me and a part of my life for almost as long as I've been performing. I mean, that's incredible. First, it can't be understated, you know, like how brave of an artistic endeavor this was in and of itself. Aside from the talent, the guts it takes, my God. But how difficult was it to decide that you were going to like approach dealing with your father's death in this creative avenue? And then what was that writing process like? Right. It's kind of you to say it's brave and I really do appreciate that. But in a way, I'm almost like, oh, it was so gracious of the audiences back then because for me, it was less... At the time of its inception, I had just lived with my dad as he was dying for a year. I'd been in the suburbs. I really didn't have an artistic outlet or many friends or people my age. Or I was so trapped in this sort of hell we were living in that when my dad died, it was like I had to talk about it. And I had been doing stand-up and open mics and stuff. My stand-up was always about what was happening in my life. So for me, it wasn't even really a choice. It was more just like, well, now what's happening in my life is different and it's darker, but buckle up. That's what we're going to talk about. So in a way, it was more just like, I'm really grateful that theaters and audiences were open to this because the choice to do it was almost like not one. It was like, I have to, I have to talk about this. Yeah. 
And then, as you mentioned, the performance kind of dances back and forth between stand-up comedy and a one-woman show, in a sense. Was that an approach that you were doing previously, even before you were, like, approaching and building this special? Was that, like, kind of, like, always a part of your performance style, or did that kind of just come through this piece specifically? Yeah, that came through this piece specifically and likely as a sort of collection in a way of, of everything that I had been doing. Because before mm-hmm. this, I was doing stand-up, just straight stand-up. I was doing improv. I've been a dancer my whole life and a runner my whole life. And then when I was home that one year, the one thing I did have was blogs. And so I would write right. very serious blogs that weren't funny, just about the serious nature of what was happening. I really loved that. So I think once I was doing that and that felt so good, this show ended up becoming a blend of like, okay, well, I really like talking honestly about grief as well as I like doing comedy and stand-up comedy. So if I can blend those two things, then it almost was like, I have to blend these two things in my head. If I wanted to tell the story, honestly, I couldn't make it just stand up because there are some moments where there's not going to be a punchline because this is really dark and it's okay to sit in the darkness for a second because... That's what it's like in real life. But then we can laugh afterwards. So that balance was important to me because it felt like it reflected the experience of losing someone. Yeah. And I mean, like, you're a great storyteller, you know, and not just like verbal storytelling, but you use uh, physicality to kind of pull the audience into this story. We're all kind of like leaning in, Hmm. you know, like the story of you like going for runs with your father And then, you know, using the running as like a symbol for his deteriorating health was like a great example of this. And I was watching that and I was like totally moved. And by the end of it, I was in tears. And after your special, I went and just watched Richard Pryor live in concert, which is my favorite special of all time. And he does the exact, I was like noticing so many uh, similarities between you two. I was like, my God, he's a list. No, I know. I don't. I don't mean to put the pressure on, but I was like, Pryor is just pulling his audience in with this physicality too, and he he like he he pulls them in. He gets them quiet, you know, and he gets everybody leaning in, and then he nails them with the punchline after. I I don't really have a question. I just wanted to say, good job. Thank you. you. That's so kind. That's so kind and a very generous comparison. Oh, Um, I I guess. I guess my question is like using physicality to kind of like pull the audience in. Talk to us about just like like kind of building that and rehearsing that out. Yeah. Well, I do feel that especially in a show like this, it's not like magic tricks, but in a way it's sort of like Mm -hmm. pacing. I really was interested in. I really never wanted it to feel like people were not laughing for long enough or that people were not, I didn't want to undercut real quiet moments also. So it was like, I think more than anything, just a pacing thing of feeling how when I felt, okay, we've laughed enough. Now we can, because that's really what it is, is like, if people have laughed enough, then they're more willing to watch that running segment. And so it was really always very important to me that I came out with that first joke, which is like, here's what it's about, buckle up. Then that I gave a lot of jokes in the beginning, some of which are not even related. So it's just like, when you give that first joke, okay, people are a little tense. And then it's like, that's okay. We're going to be okay. I'm going to tell you the story and I'm going to give you more jokes. So then by the time that sex segment's done, they've relaxed because they're laughing. And then at that point I feel, okay, now I can give you this running segment because you're accidentally relaxed and now I'm going to get you. Whereas I think if I tried doing that running segment before the laughing part, I don't know if people would be even ready to do it. So I found that a lot on the road was like, how many jokes do I need in here? 
versus, you know, if you go too far, then they're like, wait, 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 we don't want this. We were having more fun with the other thing. Yeah. It's a lot of pacing of just knowing when to stop and start the other thing. Right. Because laughter will, it opens up the audience. Over the pandemic, you did a lot of videos on Instagram of you role-playing as your mom or any Massachusetts mom, I guess. <laughs> so I was so happy to see that impression show up in this show because yes. uh, it's so funny. What does your mom think when you do her? Yeah, she's a great sport. And actually, now that you say that, I'm like, I did this show before I ever did those mom videos. So I bet that, and that joke was in a version of that joke was in this show. So I'm like, I bet that my first time ever doing a mom impression in a way was in that joke. And then it probably built from there. Right. She's a great sport. She films the videos with me. I mean, not during the pandemic and sometimes friends or my boyfriend will pop in, but yeah, she, it's a very collaborative effort and we had a lot of fun making them together. They were always a team. So she's a great sport. She, she really likes them. <laughs> and she gets That's recognized so, so she likes that too people yeah. will be like oh yeah 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 she's like a pseudo celebrity <laughs> totally 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 since we are a filmmaking podcast it, it behooves me to ask a little bit about the production process yes. of filming a stand-up special because it's something that we like i mentioned we've never talked to somebody who's done a stand-up special on our oh, show nice. but what was it like on the actual production day or days you know how many days did you film did you all film in one day yeah so this was definitely an intense part was that one i was executive producing for the first time along with a whole wonderful team of all women shannon hartman michelle caputo at art and industry and my manager jenny church cooper we were all eping together but it was the first time that i was charged with like, oh, every decision is going to go through me. I was very used to either if that were the case, it would be on a very low scale, like a mom video, or if I'm working on a bigger scale thing, I'm showing up and doing my part that day. So this was like, certainly a, an exciting thing of like, there's a lot of decisions that are going to every day that I get to make. So I felt I had a lot of creative control, which was exciting, but because it's live and you only get the one day. So we had basically all, everything was done in preparation, all the like set design and light design and all those conversations were done in preparation. But then we have two days in the theater. So that first day is building the set. I couldn't even go on stage for most of that day. Wow. We built that morning. I think we did like a tech cue to cue that night. And then we did two shows. So it was like a show at... I want to say seven and, and nine. So I had that morning, you get in, I had like the prep, we had to do all of our press photos. And then we did another cue to cue with the whole set set up. And then we ran the show twice. Is it the same audience for both shows or do you bring in a different audience? Different audience though. I think there were some repeats. Like I know a lot of my family was in the audience for both. Yeah, Some people might've stuck around for both, but it was just very intense because I don't know, on film sets, you have like what we did. We didn't really have unlimited time because we were moving so fast. Usually on film sets, you have at least multiple shots. So for this, right. it was very intense. So it was like two shots and you're doing this twice and you don't really have, there's not a lot of wiggle room, I guess I would say. Right. Right. In a way that was thrilling. And like my body was like, oh, this is similar to, it, you know, feels like a live performance, but just taped. And once it's done, you do both the shows and you kind of talk about it in the special, like how emotional it is to kind of close that chapter because you've been doing yeah. the special or iterations of it for six years. How did you feel once 
that last taping was done? So I would say that as I was approaching my last few shows on the road, I was really emotional every time, especially that I got to that piece of it. And then I was emotional the night that it was the last time. But in a way, when it was over, I felt very like, okay, this is, I I am ready. And we did it. It was very like me and my dad, I just felt very like, okay, this is a nice way to end this chapter. Because yeah. I think it would have been hard for me to do that if it hadn't been so concrete. I think if it had just been me deciding like, hey, I'm going to stop doing this show. I don't know, it would have maybe always felt like, well, I got to come back to it. Or it's, it's still there if I want to come back to it. Where there was something really nice, almost like closure with saying, okay, we did it. It's done and it's out there. Now I can move forward in a way. Yeah, it's kind of thrilling in a way. It's always, it you know, when you, when, when you close the chapter on any big artistic project, sometimes it takes years, you get kind of like, uh, I don't want to say like postpartum, you, you know, after, do. because that was my thing. That was my identity right. for like this period of time. And now what the fuck do I do? I definitely got postpartum. And also I was, it was this crazy thing where I was, so I'm on the show Flatbush Misdemeanors, which just finished mm-hmm. its second season. And I was filming that and then going out to tour. And then I came back. I had my last two days on set for Flatbush. So second to last day, Tuesday, last day, Wednesday, rehearsal for the special Thursday, tape the special Friday. So that Holy Saturday, crap. it was like, not only was the special done, but also flat. So it was like everything that I had been (laughs) working on both short-term and long-term finished all at once. So it was definitely, there was a long period of postpartum of sorts, but postpartum maybe is a heavier way of putting it because I do feel there was a sense of lightness too. Like, Oh, this is scary and sad and exciting because for the first time, I really don't know what I'll have to say or what I'll feel like saying or what emotions I'll have and what I'll want to work on, which is exciting. Yeah, totally exciting. Um, Don't you feel like there are like different stages of artistic? It's almost like gardening kind of. It's like, they're just different stages. So it's like, I was at the stage where everything was like blooming, but it's like, oh, I've been tilling this garden for so long and I've been weeding whatever just to make sure that these items make it to the light of day. And now it's kind of, there's an exciting thing where it's like, okay, we're back to getting to gardens so you get back to the right garden. yeah maybe yeah. i start a new garden it's like okay well what what, what works do i want to plant yeah. right, what works in this climate yeah what am i hungry for what do i want to eat yeah. yeah so there's an excitement there absolutely shifting gears a little bit i want to talk yes. i was having this thought while i was watching your special and some of the other specials that you suggested there's always been kind of like an evolution of this art form stand-up and this is just the opinion of one bonehead me, <laughs> you know, early, early, it was just like one liner jokes. And then it became, you know, like storytelling with great punchlines. And then it evolved even further into like political work. And then it became like people would say, like, comedians are kind of like the philosophers of the day, like comedy that makes you think. And mm-hmm. now I think in the last few years, there we're embarking on this like very new, kind of exciting version of stand up, which is comedy that makes us also feel Mm. and tackles, you know, emotions internally. I was wondering if you thought there was anything to that, or if you think that is total nonsense by the bonehead. 
<laughs> no, you mean just that this is the flow of things in a way? or that uh, it, feel, it feels like we're kind of like, you know, like there's so many comedians that are now talking about like depression or talking about their feeling and they're still hilarious and still like, oh, you know, yeah, like the, I love the, the George Carlin's, so yeah, right. the Great Depression is incredible. You know, but George Carlin was talking about, you know, like activism and, you know, like what's wrong mm -hmm. with the country and all this kind of I stuff. And now mean. it feels like we're going into this new area where we're looking more in uh, rather yes. than looking out. Oh, interesting. That That's a great point. Yeah. I wonder what that is, but I, at least from where I stand, I think that often there's this thing of like, oh, comedians are so funny, but there's another side or like, oh, there's a lot of sadness that we don't see and maybe comedians were charged with just presenting their funny happy side so i, I see it almost as like it's exciting because it's permission to be like no we're there's still the full range of emotions that we feel it's just we do comedy but that doesn't mean that we're devoid of the other half so it, to be able to do a show like this or to watch the great depression just remember watching the great depression and getting to the end of it and be like oh how amazing that someone is so like to see someone get to the other side, but to also acknowledge that this person went through all this and funny throughout, it just helps you feel like, okay, we're all in this together. We're all experiencing the full range of emotions. Yeah. We don't have to hide that because of our profession. Yeah, absolutely. And to credit you, I think you do that as well at the end of your special because without spoiling it, but you ask the audience to, to raise their hands when you ask a question of if everybody's gone through this certain thing. And that was another moment where even at home, I felt like I was not alone because I just yeah. lost my grandma this year too. Yeah. And it really, I'm sorry. Uh, your special really, really, it helped me. <laughs> it really did help me. So, so oh, thank I'm you. I'm really glad. Oh, of course. Thanks for saying that. And yeah, that part was important to me. And that was a, that chapter of the show was, I would say, an addition of this new portion that I took on the road years later, not the earlier one. And um, it really helped me too, whenever I was on the road to see hands up, because it felt like, okay, look at that, just like that. Maybe I've felt alone up here, or maybe if some of these jokes weren't working, or was it, and then all of a sudden you get to that section, it's like, hey, look at that. Just like that, we're all looking at each other and sharing something. And that made me feel less alone in it too, going across the country and seeing how many people are struggling with the same stuff, totally different lives, different everything. And we're all sharing with this, this sadly unifying event, which is death and loss. And then we laugh and dance at the end, which is exactly. Uh, yeah. And then we laugh and dance at the end and it's like, yeah. And then that's, that's how it goes. And that's how, yeah. that's kind of the message of the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Alyssa Lempiris, no bad days. It's really incredible, very special. And it's streaming right now on Peacock. Everybody check it out. Let us know what you think. And we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Alyssa is going to help us out with a special edition of Gimme Three. Do you see what I did there? Wow, wow, wow. Now, this is the second special pun. Let's see if you can get three in before we wrap. This is why I don't do comedy. It's just <laughs> the, lame, the lamest puns of all time. <laughs> no, I love uh, We'll be back on Film Forward, everybody. Stick around. We'd like to take a minute to talk about LADFF sponsor, E-Minutes. 
E-Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than 38,000 entities involved in the entertainment industry. Like last year, they're sponsoring an award with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival called the Emerging Filmmaker Award. You can learn more about our partnership with E-Minutes Arts and their mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented storytellers at eminutes.com forward slash arts. That's eminutes.com forward slash arts. All right, we're back on Film Forward, and we are so damn lucky to be joined by Alyssa Lampiris today. Her comedy special, No Bad Days, is available right now on Peacock. But right now, she's going to hook us up with three other specials that have inspired her. They've inspired her work. So, Alyssa, let's get your first one. Hello. Okay, so thanks again for having me. I loved this question. I think it makes sense for us to start with The Great Depression, since we talked about it. The Great Depression was the first special I saw where I felt just like, oh, yeah, I really connected with him and felt so excited to watch him grow and so by, emotionally like to, to heal. By the end, I, I felt like, oh, if ever anyone, myself included, is going through something dark or feels depressed, it's really exciting to see that this person made it to the other side and made me laugh the whole way. It was such an enjoyable, I mean, I think about the fork in the ice cream. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he has this great joke about if you're eating a pint of ice cream with a fork, like things, <laughs> things are bad, but he's just such an incredible, iconic joke writer and performer. And so to see him continue to do that, but also share something so personal really motivated me. Yeah, he really does a beautiful dance of like just really hilarious biting jokes and really like intrapersonal, like seeing somebody go through, you know, like just go through it on stage and do it in a way that's like so graceful. Totally. The format also I really loved, which was kind of in a way, it was something I loved about your special is kind of like bounces back and forth between stand-up and then another art form of storytelling. Like yes. and this is, you know, it keeps cutting back to this documentary footage. And then in yours, it's, you know, you, you dance back and forth between stand-up and, and one woman show. Yes, that's so true. It was so nice to see where he's from and see his film life. And I liked that format as well. The Great Depression, it's available right now, everybody. Gary Goldman is his name, right? Gary Goldman, yep. Gary Goldman. And I want to say he's a Massachusetts guy as well. Yeah, he, that, that was the other thing I, I noticed. I was like, oh, that's why Alyssa likes this guy. He's yep. Like, <laughs> <he's> a, <laughs> and that's available right now to stream on HBO Max yep. for however long that's around, guys. So check that out. Your second pick, Alyssa. Okay, my second pick, I would have to say, is Sleepwalk With Me by Mike Birbiglia. And in general, Mike Birbiglia's work, because I remember him being... The first person I saw very early on, that was like, as I was starting comedy, I saw him and I think that he, for me, broke the mold of, you don't have to just go out there and do jokes. If you have something to say, if you have a story, and if you want to be physical, I mean, his physicality is fabulous and the way he moves his body across the stage really influenced me big time. Like, I don't know if I would have thought that I could do this solo show back in the day if I hadn't seen Mike Birbiglia's work and thought like, yeah, well, that is allowed. We're allowed to express ourselves and and do comedy. So he had a big influence on me. Yeah, he's just really like kind of intoxicated. He does. He like really puts you in a trance when he's up That's on stage. Right. He does. It's very soothing. And yeah, he has a format, I'd say, and a style that's really his own that yeah. no one else does. And he 
created, which is exciting as well. Absolutely. Sleepwalk with me by Mike Birbiglia. I don't know where that's streaming. I think you have to rent it, but it's it's I think uh, you do have to rent it. Rent. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth the Well rent. actually I actually don't know if you can see the solo show version anymore because the movie's out. Oh, that yeah, the be. movie, right. The yeah, movie might, might, you can't see it, but anything by Mike Wrigley, I know he has a new show right now that's touring, so you can't go wrong with him. For sure. All right, Alyssa, your third and final pick. This one was Wowza. Yeah, did I you did watch not, it? I watched it, and I somehow didn't know anything about it. Which is the best way to go in, I think. It's the best way to go in, and sweet, sassy molassie. Yep. So this is Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. And it's so it's sort of a storytelling comedy magic show special. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's like storytelling, one man show, one man show, magic show. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what his show. Yeah, I was totally taken by it. I, you should watch it and go in not knowing much because it is just mm-hmm. a incredible experience. But I think what I loved about his so much was how much it was communal, how much he was telling his own story, but bringing in the audience and how he was making it about everyone in the room. And like that end segment where he's like, I could watch that for hours where he's making eye contact with, there's something about that special, which is just so human. And so everyone in that room is in it together. And that is something that happens a lot in live theater, but you don't, it's very hard to translate to the screen. So I felt that he was able, you just feel like you're in the theater on that special. And I was very influenced by that and wanting to make sure that mine had some of those elements too of feeling like the communal piece and like you're part of something. Yeah. And it was like emotionally exhilarating. Like I was just like on the edge of my seat. My heart was doing all kinds of crazy shit (laughs) Uh, in a a good way, in a good way. And, you know, like what I loved is like, again, I'm trying not to give away any spoilers because it should be just seen, but he pulls off this like crazy, crazy magical stuff. That's really impressive. But what's even more impressive is how much I didn't really care about the magic that he pulled off and more entranced by like questions, like the internal questions and totally. universal questions that he was raising. I was like, those that's far more fast. That's the magic trick. I was like, wow. Right, right. Yeah. And I also thought it was so cool how the show sort of deconstructs magic a bit while using magic. It like talks about the, I guess, negative side of magic, but while showing magic, which I just was like, ah, this is, this is brilliant. And that piece too, I felt it's very satisfying to watch a piece that is so finished. And I watched that just being like everything. It it was a perfect 10, just like he landed everything. It was just, you could tell a well-rehearsed show. It was like, this show is done and ready in a way that was very clear. Yeah. For sure. Well, Alyssa, thank you for introducing me to like all this thrilling work because two of them I hadn't seen and they were like, honestly, a really a delight. I'm a big stand-up fan and this was really some stuff that I think is, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're embarking on a new phase of the genre and it's exciting. It is exciting and I'm grateful to be a part of it because that to me is the most exciting thing. If we can talk about our emotions and be honest and also do it with laughter, that's the sweet spot. So I hope that there's more of it. I hope that this continues. Alyssa Limpiris, No Bad Days. It's streaming right now on Peacock. Watch it. Love it. Let us know what you think about it. Thank you so much for doing this, sister. It was great catching up. Thanks again for having me. This was so fun. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward and we'll catch you next time. 
Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.